Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. I want to get going this morning and continue really in our series called The Way of Love. Say The Way of Love. And we've been talking about these different facets of love and what it really means. And we even have this, this diagram here, this pyramid, not a pyramid scheme, but this pyramid here of what it looks like when, you, when you're serving the ultimate purpose for life, that foundation called love. You know, you said it today, Pastor Kristen, but I don't think we can speak on this enough. I really do believe that our fuel for life comes from this life lived out of love. And it starts, 1 John 4, 19, our loving is because of his love for us first. And so, you know, whether you say God or divine or he or she or father or mother, to me it's that that divine spirit that has put everything and set everything into motion that actually animates all of us, that works through all of us. But some people haven't awakened to that yet. They just haven't. So our mission, like the apostles, was this. Tell people, awaken to your righteousness. Now, why would they awaken? Because they're asleep. They don't see it. It's not tangible to them. It's not real to them. You can only believe something that that you actually think is there, right? And so the apostles' mission, our mission to is awake... I should say this, the apostles' mission and our mission as well is to awaken people to this divine relationship. See, we look around the world sometimes and we're like, it's crazy. I mean, you know, if if I haven't liked your photos lately, it's not because I have an issue with you. It's because I just don't get on the social media. I don't. I I kind of like took an unwritten break and it's like, now it's like a, a notification comes up. I'm like, maybe later. If, if you don't think I'm your friend because I didn't wish you happy birthday, you know, on Facebook, then I don't know. You, you'll get a private message from me or, or a text, right? But we've built things around that. But if you just take a look at the landscape of social media, and I don't mean to harp on this, but my God, it's just, it's so polarized. And sometimes we don't even, we play into this system of polarization. And what happens is we forget that people are human beings, they're just words on a screen. And when we do that, we lose sight of humanity. We lose sight of people who are going through days of heartache and, and maybe wins and successes and you know, loss and gain and all these different things. And we just we put them into a profile picture or words on a screen. And I, I believe if Jesus, well, by the way, Jesus is here through us. If Jesus were here physically, though, I think he wouldn't spend a whole lot of time on social media. He'd spend a lot of time with people in the real life, the real world. Because, you know, just because you make a a political statement one way or the other, it doesn't mean you're a bad person. But I don't know who you are except for that statement. So we we take a statement. We say that's who that person is. But that's not the truth. That's not all of who they are. That's just one view that maybe you agree with or maybe you don't. So what? Jesus sat with people all the time he didn't agree with. And he showed them the same love as the people he agreed with. Wow. We, we just need a little more Jesus released in this world. Come on. I don't even know where I was going with that. <laughs> 
I know this, that our purpose in life is love. The master himself, Jesus, has said this is the purpose in life. It's love. And once we get this purpose right, then our relationships, our, our acts of service to this world and to our community, our worship, these practices, we'll, we'll call them, when they come out of love, it seems like they kind of set like they're supposed to. They, they all fit in the right place. And then, of course, that results in outreach and growth. Those are the results of a life that's lived out of love and then practicing relationship, service, and worship. And what's the outcome? Disciples making disciples. See, I don't, I don't believe that disciples making disciples has ended. It's over. I just believe that maybe sometimes we've, with good intentions, gotten it wrong. We think it's a class. We think it's a group that we do for 12 weeks, and now we're disciples. Nothing wrong with that. But Jesus lived three and a half years with his disciples. He lived life with them. He had experiences with them. He laughed and he cried and he consoled and, and he uh, rejoiced with these men who were his disciples. I think it should be the same way with us. So I think when you just boil it down to, yeah, it's a class. I took that discipleship class. I'm a disciple now. How do you know? Well, I got a certificate on my mantle. Well, what does that mean? I mean, certificates, that's great and everything, but are you really living this life where your purpose is love? I'm not yelling at anyone today. I'm speaking to myself as well. I've had to challenge myself because, listen, I've, I've done most of those classes and those books, and they were great for me, and it helped me grow where I was. But if it's like, I'm done now. I've arrived. How do you? Well, I got the stamp. I got the certificate. I got the sword. Well, that's great, but now it's a continual life of living love, right? And sometimes we can miss that. So I think seeing this purpose, that our purpose in life is love, will always bring us back to this recentering so we get things right. In fact, if you look in the New Testament, this idea of love is brought up over 200 times. So obviously it's a key point, I believe, to following Jesus. I believe it's the very foundation that everything in the Christian life flows from. It should all come from this place of love. Love is so key that Jesus literally wrapped up all the commands in the scriptures of his day in one command, love. That is our purpose. Say love, that is my purpose. Say it again, love, that is my purpose. So this purpose of love, these practices, these results in this outcome all come from this one thing Jesus commanded us to do, and that is love. And so, you know, two weeks ago, we really kind of pulled that apart. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that, you can either get onto facecity.tv slash Michigan slash messages, and the messages are there. Uh, we'll put some more up this week as well. Uh, you can also go back to Facebook. If you're watching Facebook, you can go back for months now and watch Facebook, or you can go to our YouTube channel. I think it's Face City Fenton Church, I believe. So check that out. Subscribe to that and you'll get updates on that. But then last week, Pete talked to us about relationships, but not just relationships. I want us to look again here at this diagram. It's relationships rooted in what? Love. Relationships that are rooted in love. And Pete, it was so good, man. I just, I love the way that you, you showed that relationships, now I want you to hear this, because if you weren't here, it was so good. Relationships aren't only based on you liking or agreeing with a person. 
Pete was really trying to hammer this home. It, it's not about you liking and agreeing with everything that this person likes and, and, and believes. When you're living out of love, think about this. You can literally have a relationship with any and everyone. And I know that's hard to fathom at times with how polarized we become, especially here in the United States, the ununited States. That's what it feels like. But the truth is, you can have a relationship with anyone. How do I know this? Because Jesus did. Are we followers of Jesus? I'm challenging myself this morning. Am I a follower of Jesus? Because I still can catch myself at times saying or thinking something and Holy Spirit says, hmm, was that the right thing to say? Hmm, was that the right thing to think? Are you still about this us and them? Or is it everyone included? Because that's what Jesus is about. I'm like, whew, thank you for forgiving me, Father. I'm sorry about that. And just piggybacking on what you said this morning, it's beautiful to know that you're already forgiven past, present, and future. But there's nothing wrong with godly sorrow. There's nothing wrong with being sorry. I mean, there's times they do things that are outside of the nature that God has made me to be. And I'm like, you know what? I'm sorry, Lord. That's not who you made me to be. But it's, I, don't, I don't deal with, with guilt or shame any longer. That's far behind me. Holy Spirit never shames me. He just points that light and that love on me, shows me areas of my soul where I'm believing lies about myself or others or even God. And then he says, let's clean it up. Let's heal you. Let's restore some stuff. And I'm like, come on, let's do it. Because it just makes me the best version of myself that I can be. And I love it. Bring the discipline, Lord, because it's not guilt and shame and smacking me across the face. It's restoring and healing and showing my, my true identity so I can walk it out. It's beautiful. So I welcome the discipline of the Lord in my life because it's not a you know, tragic thing. It's a beautiful thing. But again, Pete was trying to tell us, he's like, listen, you can literally have a relationship with any and everyone. Again, kind of like Jesus did, right? Wasn't it Jesus who said that they will know that you are my disciples by your love for one another? I mean, I love this in the mere translation, John 13, 35. Look at this with me. He says, in this environment of your love for one another. Think about that for a minute, this environment. Now, an environment is a place that you live in, right? So he's saying love isn't something that you show on Sunday morning when you walk into a church door. Love isn't something... You know, that you just happen to do now and then. No, love is the environment in which I want you to live in. Come on. So when you're living in this environment, he says this. He says, in this environment of of your love for one another, everyone, say everyone, will come to know your discipleship onto me. I've said this before, but have you ever known anyone? I have a couple people in my life where when you walk into their very presence, you can feel the environment of love. Like there's just, you're comfortable. You're like, I'm okay now. Why? I I can't, I can't explain it. There's this, this love. There's this peace. There's just, what is it? It's Jesus. It's people who have awakened to the Jesus that's within them. 
man. You know, it's, it's not all the time, but every so often I've had people say, there's just such a peace when I'm with you. I just sense love, man. And there's no arrogance in that at all. I'm like, I'm living it. This is what I was built. This is my purpose to live in love, to create an environment where when people come in, they're like, oh man, everything. I just, hey, whoa, what's going on right now? Right? Yeah, you know what? Well, next time you, whoa, what just happened? Right? It's like the environment of love. It just encompasses people and it changes the atmosphere around you. Wouldn't you like to live a life like that? Or when you walk into a room, Jesus is literally walking into the room and he's beginning to soften and change hearts. The whole idea of, I remember growing up and we do the Saturday soul winning. Anyone been there? Great intentions, nothing wrong with it. But man, I hated it. I'll just be honest with you. I mean, someone's like, come on, man. They're stoking you up. They're giving you the verses. You're giving you, the, you got Romans road. You got all this stuff. It's so much stuff you can't remember. And then you walk up to the door. And in the back of your mind, like, please, God, don't let him answer. <laughs> come on. It's not, it's not because you didn't want him to experience Jesus. You just didn't want, you didn't know what to expect. I have found this in my life that s- some people just are gifted with this. Right? I mean, Pastor Blue, Jim Scalise, I mean, there's certain people, Michael Lusk, they just like open conversation. But, you, but here's what I found is they're walking in this love relationship so deep that people's hearts are already softening. There's something in the atmosphere. Is this making sense? That literally changes things. So for me, what I found now is, I'm not so much like I got, I got, I got to save people. I got to get people saved. First of all, I don't save anyone. I'm not the one who brings salvation, right? Deliverance, preservation, safety, healing, wholeness. That's what that word means in the Greek. I, I, I'm bringing that, yes, because of the Jesus in me. But what I found is it's a life where I just, I let people in and I begin to have a relationship with people and you stir up friendship with people. And it's through these experiences that, you know, whether someone was an atheist, an agnostic, a uh, completely different political realm than me, completely different lifestyle than me, it's through this relationship they begin to trust me and my heart for them. And all of a sudden they start to ask questions about religion, about this Jesus, about church. And I didn't have to force my way in. They're asking me the questions. People who said, who were atheists, who aren't anymore. They're like, you know, there's something about this. Why? Because I welcome them in. A lot of times the church, we're known as the ones who have the, the biggest picket signs, the, the biggest angry social media posts. And again, some of these people have good intentions, right? They're, they're afraid for people. And so they're really trying to get them in. But I found it's really tough to get people in. And if you fear people into the kingdom, it's, here's the crazy thing is Holy Spirit will use whatever, whatever he can. Hey, I know your heart's there. You're, you know, you got your bullhorn and, and you're, you're spewing a lot of stuff. That's really not me. But, but here's the thing. When people are feared into the kingdom, they walk a life of fear. 
And so we have brothers and sisters who are just fearful. They're just always waiting for the hammer to come down. And they struggle, you know, with, with issues in their life. And, and sometimes we think that, you know, having, having an experience in grace is causing people to just go off the rails and the sin. But the, the truth is, if that's the way you're living, you don't understand grace. Because grace empowers you to say no to sin. But what's cool about it is it's almost like this automatic response to God's love and grace where you just, your life begins to change and you're like, what, what is happening? I'm not even trying super hard. At least this is what I've experienced in my life. Maybe for you it's something different. And I don't want anyone to take this wrong. If I'm saying anything that offends you, I apologize. It's, my, my, my goal is for you to realize how much the Heavenly Father loves you that he'll never leave you and never forsake you. When you get this purpose, when you get this ultimate foundation of love, listen guys, all those things that you desire to do in your heart and the things that you don't want to do, it's gonna fall in place. I've experienced this in my own life. It's just, it's beautiful. And so instead of willpower and self-effort, it's his grace and love that fuels me in life and I just make better decisions for myself and for others. It's beautiful. That's what's so cool about this way of love. But think about this environment that he's speaking of here. Because here's the deal. When we read this, there's something else that I noticed. I was just going through this this morning and it just kind of, it kind of stood out. You know, you read a scripture and it just kind of jumps out at you. And it says, in this environment of your love for one another, we, we see this and sometimes we mix this idea up of what another is. I mean, do you think that another, when he's speaking here, do you think that another is the person that you always agree with or the, the person that you like or the person that goes to the same church you go to? <laughs> that, that's not what this is saying. It's saying that this is anyone who lives on planet earth. Because sometimes we can think, well, sh- I mean, shoot, I'm, I'm loving the people in church. I'm loving my friends who, you know, are Jesus followers. But, but then people in the world, you kind of, maybe you don't say anything. Maybe you do say some stuff and you need to close your mouth and listen to the Holy Spirit. You know, may, maybe you um, think things or you, you on purpose kind of push people out. The thing that irritated Jesus more than anything while he walked this planet was a religious system that pushed people away. That labeled you. Being a sinner in Jesus' day wasn't, yeah, you sinned a couple of times. No, you were labeled in such a way that you weren't welcome to worship in temple. And if you ever want to see Jesus get ticked off, that's when he got ticked off. If you ever want to see religious people get ticked off, it's when Jesus or you decide to welcome people that aren't like us. But here's what happens. We think that welcoming someone means that we agree with everything they do and say. No, it doesn't. But how how can you expect God to work on someone's heart to change them where they need to be changed according to God's standards, not your own? Let me just preface that right now. If we don't first accept them. See, with Jesus, he accepted people. Everyone was, was welcome at his table. 
once people were accepted and had relationship with Jesus, then change began to transpire. Sometimes the church gets it backwards, don't we? When you change and you fit the mold of this particular church, then we will accept you. Hallelujah. Blah, 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 blah. Well, but that's not Jesus. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying anything new and I'm not trying to be facetious. I'm just saying, man, when you, when you really toe the line and say, Jesus, what is your life like? I'm just, I notice so many things that just don't line up with, with the, the current Western evangelical church. It just doesn't fit. It's like, I struggle with that because I'm like, well, well then, Jesus, what do I do? Because when I share things like this, for some people, it's so foreign, it's so off. I even have people like borderline call me a heretic because of some of the stuff I say. And I'm like, listen, I'm saying and doing what Jesus said and did. I don't know how else to do it. Just because a denomination says it a certain way, I mean, do, do I go with what man says or what God says? But again, so often we think re- receiving and accepting someone is condoning everything they do in life, but that's not what Jesus did. In fact, what's really cool is you see story after story after story, whether it's the woman at the well or you know, the woman caught in the very act of adultery or Zacchaeus or Nicodemus, all these stories, you see this progression where they're accepted, they're, re- they're received into relationship with Jesus, and then change begins to happen in their life. And it wasn't, the first thing Jesus said wasn't, hey, how you doing? We got to change some stuff. In fact, the story of Zacchaeus blew my mind. What, and Man, I'm all over the place, so I might not even get to my notes today. But, sorry, Heidi, just flow with me. But the story of Zacchaeus, you know, I, I've, I've read it. Um, I sang the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. Come on. Woo! Come on, Alyssa. Alyssa's dancing back. She's like, it's my favorite song of all time. But I would hear these stories and, and I would sing the song. But one day I was reading this and it, it was crazy. Like, I don't know exactly what happened except this. I know that Zacchaeus was short, right? I had that part down. I, I knew that he climbed up a tree to see this Jesus. But I started to see, you know, he was a tax collector. In fact, he was a chief tax collector, which means he was a tax collector who had tax collectors underneath him right? So it was almost like he was, I don't know, I mean, word on the street was Zacchaeus was coming, right? Like, he, he, he was like, uh, what would you say, not like the godfather, but he just had a bankroll. I, I could only imagine he's wanting to see Jesus, and I don't think his intention necessarily at first, I don't know, I wasn't there, but I don't know if his intention was like, man, I really need a change in my life. I think he was like, I'm hearing a lot about this Jesus cat. That's 70s talk for some of you millennials. <laughs> I don't even know the new term for it. But he's like, I've heard about this Jesus dude. That's 90s. And, and there's something about him. I mean, everywhere he goes, he's got crowds following, and I'm into that. Because I think Zacchaeus was into himself. I really do. Any Jew, think about this, tax collectors were a Jew who, who said, okay, I will put my livelihood and work for the Roman government, and I will collect taxes for Rome from my own people. And if the tax was, say, 80%, I think they said it was upwards to 90% taxation back then, and we complained about 30%. I, I, I get it. 
I get it. And I'm not saying I like 33 or 40, but hey. But, you know, if it was 80%, you can go in and say, okay, it's 80 plus 10, that's my cut. And whatever was left over, you get. So he was a fat cat. He was rolling in it. And so that's why a lot of times you would say that, you know, they say, why is Jesus sitting and eating with the sinners and the tax collectors? They were as bad as the, the labeled sinners. People hated him. So Jesus comes into town, and I believe Zacchaeus was like, man, I've heard about this guy. I want to just get a little peek. Who is this guy? Oh, look at that entourage, man. He's got like, it wasn't just 12. Jesus didn't just have 12 people follow him. He had groups, other disciples outside that, but he also had throngs of people that would, that would follow him. I mean, he's a miracle worker. I mean, he's providing food, right? In an economy where there was starvation, that was the normal thing. So people wanted uh, uh, something to eat. So he comes into town, Zacchaeus is up there, and, and it says that Jesus turns, sees Zacchaeus, and he says, Zacchaeus. Now you've heard this before, but the most beautiful sound to the human ear is the sound of someone saying your own name. So he says his name, Zacchaeus. I want you to come down. I'm going to your house. I want to chill with you. I want to hang with you. I want to have food with you. Now in Jewish culture, when you sat and ate someone, you were saying, I accept this person right where they are. This wasn't normal. Jesus, you are a rabbi. You are a master. You have disciples. What kind of example are you setting? But this is what's crazy. This is the part that I read that blew my mind. It said that Jesus, now we don't know what happened. We just know he sat with him. He was hanging out. He, he must have been talking to him. Something happened because at one point in the meal, Zacchaeus stands up and he says, man, I've been robbing people. I'm giving money back. I'm giving half of everything I have to the poor. Now, this is not the normal Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is all about him, right? I mean, Jesus is hanging out at the house on the top of the hill. He probably had an infinity pool. I mean, everything was just perfect. He had servants. Everything was amazing. And he stood up and said, I'm giving half of everything I have to the poor. And I've taken anything. What was it, Bruce? Was it two times or four times? Seven times, even more. I'm giving back to them. I don't even know if the guy had any money when he was done. But what did Jesus say? Salvation has come to this house. And I went, hold up. I stopped right there because I'm like, salvation? Isn't that like Jesus died on the cross? I go to an altar at a church and I pray a prayer of salvation, right? Think about this. Jesus said, before the cross, salvation has come to this house today. Why? Because the word salvation, we've already said it this morning, means deliverance, healing, preservation, safety, restoration. That's what Jesus provides you. It's not just a ticket to someone in the, somewhere in the suite by and by. It's for here and now. And so many people are standing at the rapture bus stop or saying, Jesus, get me out of this crazy world. And he's like, I've already given you everything for life and godliness. It's already done. Just receive it. Awaken to it. But of course, our standards of what that means, especially in Western culture, are like, oh, so a mansion and a nice car and a bit. No, 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 you're getting this wrong. That, that's not all there is to life. Nothing wrong with those things, having those things as long as they don't have you. But just this idea of salvation. And so would Zacchaeus would have experienced would he have experienced salvation if Jesus wouldn't have accepted him where he was? The answer is no. And so Zacchaeus became a changed man. So many stories in the Bible 
about people. See, sometimes we're so worried about, I need to change this person. No, you don't. Accept them where they are, befriend them, and let Jesus do his work in their life. Because you can't hang out with the very essence of love itself and not be changed. Let me tell you right now. So he says, we prove our discipleship by our love for the world. God didn't limit it to just the Jews at the time. It says, for God so loved the world. He he loved all human beings. We are his children. How could he not? But Paul talks all the time about this this sense of, uh, of being an orphan. Orphans don't know who their family are. So awaken to this. The Apostle Paul says, in him we live, move, and have our being. We are all the, uh, the word in the Greek, I think, is genos or genos. We are all the offspring of God. That's how, that's how you're here. But some people just don't know it. So they're not going to live it. They're not going to receive by faith that they truly are a son and daughter of God. So that's the beauty of the gospel and what we get to share. So to live like Jesus is to love like Jesus. If we truly want to live like Jesus... We're going to have to get to a point where we start to challenge some of our ideology, even some of our theology, and say, I need to be loving like Jesus. But again, he's in this with you. You're not doing this all on your own. Does this make sense this morning? In John 13, 34, Jesus said, I give you a new commandment. Now, we've gone over this for a couple weeks. The word command or commandment, it it doesn't carry this this negative idea. It literally means in the Greek, I'm giving you a new goal. I'm giving you a new ultimate purpose in life. And what is that? Keep on loving one another just as I have loved you. Oh, okay, Jesus. Wait a minute, wait a minute. So your commandment, because I'm used to the 10, I'm used to the really 613 rules and regulations that the Jewish system has come up with. Nothing wrong. They were really trying to do things right. Okay. But Jesus says to these Jews, these disciples, listen, guys, I give you a new commandment. This is a new goal. It's a whole new ultimate purpose. It's it's not Moses. It's going to be me. It's not old covenant. It's me, new covenant. Keep on loving one another just as I have loved you. But look at this, my love for you is the source of your love for one another. So even in this command, this new ultimate purpose of walking in love, loving others just as I have loved you, which is without strings attached, it's completely unconditional. Um, by the way, I, my love for you will be the source of that love. So you don't have to try to make it happen. It's going to flow out of you, but just... just Hook up with me. Keep, keep with me. Yoke up with me, right? My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Watch me. Work with me. See how I do things. I'm going to show you a life that you never could have imagined that could be. Because when you live in love, it does something to you. And I listen, I haven't arrived. There, there's days where I live it more than others. And when I do, I'm like, man, this feels good. I feel like, I feel like I'm accomplishing my purpose in life. And that's what it's all about. So what I want to talk about as we break down this idea of love today and these different practices, you know, last week Pete talked about relationship, what it means to build a relationship out of love. Let's just take just a few minutes and talk about the way of love 
the practice of service. And I'd like to say it like this, the extra mile. Say the extra mile. And I just want to look real quick at Matthew chapter 5, and then we just have a couple points to go through. Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 through 42. This is the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is saying a lot of things that are just turning heads. You know, sometimes we read through things, we're just like, yeah, it sounds like something Jesus would say. Sounds pretty holy, but then we're like, but that was for back then, so I'm good now, right? But listen to what Jesus says. He says, you have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. How many have heard this? Christians are still practicing this this today. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But Jesus goes on to say that I don't want you to do that anymore. I think we missed that part. Verse 39, he says, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other also. Remember one time I asked my dad, I was like, dad, what does that mean? Like, I mean, I'm at school and this guy's threatening me. I mean, I'm going to turn the other cheek. And he's like, well, listen, son, you know, you only got four cheeks. So after that, you can punch him back. I'm like, okay, thanks, Pastor Carl. And he said, no, I'm just kidding. Don't, don't, don't hit him right away. Verse 40, he says, if, it's just ingrained in us, isn't it? This idea of revenge. That's what Jesus is talking about here. He's really challenging this. Because think about this. There's so many things that have changed through time, but there's so many things that are the same. And this revenge thing has been since the beginning of a civilization. But look at this, verse 40. He says, if you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, take it back. No, I, I knew Bruce would catch that. He says, give your coat too. It gets even better. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Another translation says, whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. It's what's crazy about this. The way it was written isn't, hey, if someone says, hey man, could you carry this for me for a little while? Then just go go two miles instead. No, this has the idea of someone forcing you to, and we're going to get to that in just a minute. 42, it says, give to those who ask and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. So Jesus really starts messing. This is some really heavy stuff, isn't it? In fact, the very next line, he says something like this. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Dear God, what, Jesus, what are you doing? You are challenging everything that my Western culture stands for. I mean, just turn on a movie. It's all about... Someone did something to someone, so now they're going to do it back to them. And when we root for that, that person to get what's coming to them. I've been there. Anyone else? Yeah, get them. They deserved it. But Jesus is saying not to do that. It's like, Jesus, apparently you haven't seen a movie. He's like, yeah, they made a movie about, movie about me called The Passion of the Christ. And if you notice, I never retaliated, even though I was innocent. What? No greater love does a man have than this than to lay his life down for another. The cross is the ultimate display of what love is. I will die for you even as an innocent man to prove my love for you. That's the thing about Jesus. He didn't just say stuff to say it. He practiced what he preached. Right? What a great example. But no, I'm sure then and even now you hear things like this. You're like, come on, Jesus, how is this even possible? 
How can, how can I let people take advantage of me, mistreat me, do me wrong without retaliation, without uh, vindication, without revenge? And it's like Jesus is saying, just like I did with love. Now listen, I'm challenging myself this morning too. This really puts your mind on tilt. But Jesus just had this way of messing with our thinking, didn't he? So, so you might be here this morning, maybe you're listening online and you're thinking, okay, pastor, I get it. But I'm not Jesus. And what does any of this have to do with this idea of service that you're trying? Can you just get to your notes or something? Because I, I want to get, how does this have anything to do with service? Well, first of all, yes, you are like Jesus. You were made in his image and likeness. And you realize that, that you and God, the greater one, are one. That you're unified. That there's union. That's what the gospel is speaking of. This union that we have with God. Now, of course, it takes time, sometimes a lifetime to awaken to this truth, to, I would say, become more aware of this union, but it's still true nonetheless. But secondly, it has everything to do with service. You see, service goes far beyond the walls of the church building. What I would often do, and I was looking through some notes over the last 10 years, and it's funny how when we hear this idea of service, I think it's the pastor, you know, in us, we automatically go, work in the church, clean the church, work with the kids, show up to events. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but we, we automatically bring it within these four walls and we say, this is service, but it's more than that. It's a lifestyle. It's something that we do outside of these four walls. We could sum it up in this statement from Jesus. He says, whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Now, has anyone heard this phrase before? Well, he went the extra mile. What's the definition? Extra mile. It's above that which is required. Now, in the 21st century... I think it's tough sometimes to really understand the gravity of what Jesus was saying here. I mean, Jesus was messing with the minds of the people at that time that were hearing this, as he so often did. So he uses this phrase during his Sermon on the Mount, and it's, it's in the Gospel of Matthew. And he says, who are forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Now, Jesus spoke of this going the second mile or the extra mile. What he was doing is he was referring to an oppressive Roman law. Now, if you're not familiar with this, there was a law that any Roman soldier at any time, if he's walking through the city, if, he, if his pack got a little too heavy for him, he could, he could demand, not ask, he could demand that any Jew carry it one mile. Now, imagine when the Roman soldiers are walking through the town, you're probably like ducking behind like the alleyways and stuff because like I got stuff to do, man. Because, you know, we just, you know, we're kind of laughing at it, but it was no laughing matter. I mean, if, if this soldier came to you and said, I need you, you will carry my pack. Let's just say it like they would, right? Maybe a few, you know, explicit, explicit is whatever, just forcing you to whatever it was. If you rejected that, you could be punished by Roman law. So it wasn't a matter of, well, I'm kind of busy right now, bro, but how about him? No, no. He asked you, you carry. So, 
there was this Roman law. So Jesus is, I mean, when he's talking to these Jews who are listening, this wasn't like, you know, what are you talking about, Jesus? No, they completely got this. And think about this. When, when this Roman soldier would ask you to carry his pack, it wasn't like you're saying, hey, dude, would you, would you carry my sack lunch for me? You know, it's got an apple and a sandwich in it, right? Hey, would you carry my sling backpack? It's got my laptop and a bottle of water in it. No, no. These packs, that, that the, that if you look at history uh, in this, these packs weighed somewhere between 80 and 110 pounds. And so they would say, you are going to carry this for a mile. And Jesus is saying, well, if they ask you, and fo- I'm sorry, if they force you to carry this one mile, I want you to go ahead and go two miles. Can you imagine the people hearing Jesus going, what are you talking about, dude? Do you not realize what you are saying right now? I mean, this was a really painful task. I mean, that guy's got like 90 to 100 pounds on his back. He wants me to carry a mile. Now, here's the thing. At a mile, this, this Jewish person could just drop the sack and say, I'm good, I'm done. And legally, he was okay. And which, which was kind of crazy. It was illegal to refuse the Roman soldier. But on the other side, it was illegal for the Roman soldier to make you go more than a mile. So I'm sure they're just like, okay, you're done. Hey, you, <laughs> right? Get another one. But they could actually get in trouble and be punished for pushing this too far. So no doubt when Jesus is speaking here to these listeners, I mean, many of them were probably forced to do just that, to carry a pack. I mean, think about that, to drop their farming equipment, to drop their fishing nets, to drop their carpentry tools, or just to carry this heavy pack. Not only did they have to walk a mile with this, but depending on how physically fit they were, I mean, I'm sure they were more fit than some of us, right? I mean, I get that. I couldn't walk a mile with a heavy pack. I'd be complaining like a quarter mile in or maybe an eighth of a mile in. Dude, okay, I'm going, I'm going, right? But it wasn't just that they had to carry the pack. I mean, think about this. If you just had to drop your net or, or your, your source of income somewhere, now you're losing literally could be hours of the day to do what, what this soldier has asked you to do. And yet Jesus is speaking to people, say, hey guys, if you're forced to do this, I want you as my followers to go ahead and do an extra mile. And you're thinking, what the heaven, Jesus? What is going on right now? Why would you ask me to do this? He deliberately references this Roman law in context of this teaching on human behavior. And more specifically, he's laying out what it looks like to live a life out of this foundation of love. To live like like your life depended on it. Now, can you see how this could rub people the wrong way, especially if they had experienced this hardship? this demeaning law that Rome had placed upon them? See, it's one thing to do something because you feel obligated, or let me say this in this situation, feared into it, the fear of punishment if you don't, but it's another to do it out of love. That's how we're called to live. See, it's a life that isn't lived out of obligation. It's lived out of inspiration. And so there's so many times it hangs in that balance and we're, we're trying to compare things. Is this obligation versus inspiration? See, love inspires us to do things even if that person doesn't deserve it. So I just want to look at three quick things here that, that we can learn from what Jesus says here. Number one, going the extra mile is even for the undeserving. 
Have you found that it's pretty easy to go the extra mile for someone that you like? Right? I mean, that, that's kind of easy. I mean, to show love and compassion and, and to, you know, do something that's sacrificial, it's usually easier for those that we actually like or we have a relationship with. But Jesus, in his example, he uses the person that you probably most despise in your life and says, that's the person I want you to go the extra mile for. Come on, Jesus, you're messing again, man. I just want, give me, give me the, the bread and the fish and some more stories on love. But this idea that this person I despise. So if you bring it into the 21st century, I mean, if Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, I believe this applies to today. Jesus is saying, hey, who, who's the person that you despise the most? When I said that, their name popped in your head, didn't it? Because we all, we all pretty much, unless you've really grown, we have that one person, that two people, some of you, that 12 people that you don't like at work. You only work with 12 people. Exactly. He's saying that person that you despise, that's the one I want you to go the extra mile for. Can I hear a dear Jesus? It's funny that, you know, Sometimes we're like, hey, this love thing's great and all, but give, give me something deep. Give me some meat, man. Love is deep. Love is the meat. Because I don't know about you, but I'm not walking it out in every facet of my life. I'm not showing love in, in every area of my life to even people I despise. I still catch myself thinking or saying or, you know, come on, let's be honest today. Can we just be honest? And so we're going to have to push through that. And especially in a, in a culture where, let me just tell you now, turn off your news notifications because they're going to play on the polarization. They're going to play on the people that you despise to a point where you continue to despise and you're not going to see people through the eyes of our Savior. You're not going to see people through the eyes of love and it's going to be impossible to say, I will go the extra mile for you. I'm not telling you what to do, but I'm heavily suggesting some things this morning because I've experienced this in my own life. Listen, we have to choose, are we going to follow Jesus, his example, and say, I want to be, we sing songs about, I want to be more like you, but then we leave the church doors and forget the very words we just sang. But this is what's going to change the world. Love will change the world, but it's got to come through you and I. So even if others treat you unfairly, how you behave is so very important. Treat them generously is the message that Jesus is conveying. And I know it's not always easy. And so for the Jew of the day, he's saying, I want you to walk with that soldier. For us, I want you to walk with that person in life that person that you don't like or even the person that you despise. I want you to go one more mile because that's the way of love. Number two, going the extra mile opens our heart to those we serve. This is such a profound truth. A lot of times people 
whom we don't like or we just we can't see eye to eye on, any, on anything, when we choose to actually go the extra mile, it actually opens our heart to these people. See, this walk of love should result in a rapport with a soldier or a rapport with that person who isn't your favorite person. Conversation may open up. And here's the beauty of this love walk is you would begin to see the humanity of the person that you've considered the other. This has happened to me in my own life. People that I... And most of it was ignorance. Most of it was not understanding. Most of it was just religious boxes that I had to get outside of and realize, wait a minute, even Jesus wasn't trapped inside this religious box that I am. But when you do, you, you begin to not see people as us and them or the other anymore. Walking the extra mile with this implied patience, this grace, this manifested love, it lets us know more about the person. You know, often I've sat down, you know, at a table for a conversation, not understanding someone's choices in life, and then you begin to hear their story, and everything just changes. You, it's like they're human. They're, they're real. They have emotions. They, they've been wounded. They've been hurt. Wow. And so now instead of me trying to give them the 16-point list of what they need to do to be okay with God, I suddenly realize that I've had some stuff wrong in my heart that I need to change but I also see an openness to actually have a relationship with them and allow the love of Jesus to come through and whatever the Holy Spirit needs to change, Holy Spirit will get the change in their life. It's beautiful. It takes the pressure off. I, I was going through this this morning. I wrote this statement down. It came to me. So whether it's profound or not, just say, wow. This could be a moment of becoming more bitter or becoming much better. Wasn't that profound? <laughs> but think about in those, in those moments, it's like I can become more bitter at this person right now because I'm sure in the time of Jesus, there's plenty of people who were caring. In like a quarter, half a mile in, they're like, this is wrong. This is demeaning. And so they had this opportunity to become more bitter or much better. And I believe Jesus is calling us to become much better. Become who you truly are. I don't believe that Jesus is saying that the circumstances are right or just, but he is saying to take the opportunity to grow in your love for others. Because this is what is going to change your life. And I think sometimes just beginning to see the humanity of this other person is where it all begins. Number three, as we bring it to a close, Going the extra mile reveals our humanity to another. Think about that. It kind of goes both ways. I mean, this soldier, I mean, think about this. Being forced to carry this extra heavy pack for a mile had to be humiliating. Let alone the loss of work, just the ultimate feeling degraded, hopeless. There's no response. I mean, it wasn't like you could just, you know, retort on Facebook real quick how much you thought of that. No, no, no. You just shut your mouth and you do it, or you probably were beat or punished or maybe even killed or crucified. In fact, when you're walking down the road, you would be reminded day in and day out of how Rome treated people who didn't go along with their plan because the roads were lined with rotting corpses on crosses for people who said no to Rome. 
how demeaning, how hopeless this must have felt. So Jesus is saying, listen, we're not going to retaliate. I'm giving you a different way. Go an extra mile. Why? Think about this. Think about the humiliation that you would, that you would sense as you're walking this first mile. But you hit that mile marker, and instead of dropping the bag and maybe just a look of disgust out of the corner of your eye, you say, that's okay, sir. I'll go another mile. Now who begins to feel that same humiliation? See, something happens in these moments when we go beyond what we're asked to do. It begins to open the heart of the person who maybe even looks down upon you to a place where they begin to see the humanity in you. They see you as a real person because I'm sure these soldiers, after years and years of indoctrination and training, and I mean, they, they looked down upon this people. They were better. They were superior. But to have this person now turn the table, come on, that's, that's powerful. And so sometimes I think we hesitate in these moments because we don't want to be taken. We don't want this person to get over on us. But when you go the extra mile, what do the prophets say? It's like heaping coals upon their head. It's like love just has this result where it starts to soften a heart. Maybe that person begins to see the humanity in your life. So by going that second mile, I believe Jesus was saying, this is a way that you can reclaim your dignity. But not only that, you can open up a relationship with someone and you can begin to share love with the person, the very person that you despise. These are powerful words. I'm not saying it's easy. But I do believe that when you do this, it begins to open their heart to us. Simply put, love serves. Say that with me. Love serves. So Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers in this world, they lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Listen to what your master, what Jesus says here, your savior. He says, whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. These are powerful words, man. 45, Mark 10, he says, for even the son of man, Look at this. He leads by example. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. I know this isn't easy, but it's doable. Love serves, and serving is a choice that we make. See, we've talked about this every week, haven't we, Pete? It's our choice. You can choose to go the other way of vengeance and retribution and hatred and just continue the, the cycle going. And God won't renounce you. He won't agree with your ways. He'll be like, you're going to suffer the consequences. I mean, as he was coming and we're getting close to Easter and Palm Sunday and as he's coming in, I mean, he sees the city and it says that he just began to weep. Oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem. I believe even today, he's like, oh, America, oh, America, oh, Europe, oh, Europe, oh, Russia, oh, world. If I could just gather you like a hen does her chicks. He saw what was coming. 
He predicted the, the fall of the temple and it did in 70 AD. I mean, the whole lineage of priests gone, over 8,000 priests gone, murdered, killed, couldn't even worship anymore. And Jesus kept saying, listen, if you're of me, you don't seek vengeance. You don't retaliate. Because have you noticed that in this world, through every war and every skirmish and every territorial thing that we've done as humans, has war or has retaliation ever brought peace? It doesn't. It keeps going on because if you bomb us, we're bombing you. Well, you bombed us, we're going to bomb you back. And it goes on and on and on and on. And it's like Jesus is looking for people to say, we're going to stop this vicious cycle because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Now, don't go crazy on me on social media. Well, are you anti-war? Listen, I'm full-time Jesus. I'm all about Jesus. I'm pro-Jesus. And I truly believe that Jesus knows the right way for us to live, for us to live in peace and grace. And it starts with someone saying, even though I despise you, I'm going to go the extra mile. That's kind of heavy this morning, isn't it? Where's the love, Pastor? This is it. It's so deep and it's not super easy. I get that. Say this with me. Today, I choose to go the extra mile. Even if the person being served doesn't deserve it. It's on the screen. Say it again with me. Close your eyes and really mean this. How can you close your eyes and look at the screen? Open your eyes and look at the screen. Ready, go. Today, I choose to go the extra mile, even if the person being served doesn't deserve it. I don't even have a microphone to drop, but man, that's, that's it right there, isn't it? Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for another opportunity. We did go a little longer today, but we thank you, Holy Spirit, that this message is, is going to continue stirring in our hearts throughout this week, that maybe, maybe this will help us to recognize blind spots in our life, areas where we just automatically react a certain way towards a certain person or people group. It starts to help us identify that we still have this, this tribal, tribalistic mentality of us and them that we can begin to step past those lines of tribalism and say, you know what? I don't have to agree with everything, but I see you. I see you. You're a human being. You have emotions. You have, you have you know, wins and losses and, and hurts and all these different things in life just like I do. And so I choose to love you like Jesus loves you. And so I let the Jesus in me love you in such a way it opens up your heart, it opens up my heart to a place where then the truth by the Select a and minister to us. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.